Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. How are you doing this evening, Paula? I am doing well. My day has been pretty full. You have had a busy day with Ellie, and you went for a run, and you've practiced your violin quite a bit this evening. I have practiced my violin 110 minutes today. That's more minutes than you ran. Yes, it is, just by a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder I'm busy during retirement. Always something to do. Yes, so the symphony is playing at the River Park Center this spring, and all of my violin teacher students are performing before that in the lobby of the River Park Center. That's the first I've heard of this. <laughs> yes, it is. And don't ask me the date because, A, I don't know it, and B, I probably wouldn't advertise it on the podcast. Hmm. More to come on that, listeners. So I took Ellie to a new place today. It was a little indoor toddler play park, and she was a little overwhelmed by it at first. And it had a bunch of blow-up toys and trampolines and games, and I could see how a bunch of five- and six-year-olds would have a pretty big time in there. And it has a place up front for little toddlers, but in the front it has a giant TV and they had Coco Melon playing. So anytime we were up front, she just wanted to sit there and watch Coco Melon. Well, we could do that for free on our couch at home. That's like when you and I took Bethany and Jacob to Hawaii. They preferred to stay in the hotel room and watch the Disney Channel rather than enjoy being in Hawaii, because they didn't have that at home. Yeah, because we almost never watched TV at home when they were young. We wanted to develop their minds other ways. I guess Ellie's the same. She doesn't watch a whole lot of television. Yeah. She didn't watch any here today, except for at about 4 o'clock she was having a little snack, and she bit her tongue. Poor thing. And poor thing. I just had to sit and hold her and let her watch a little bit of Bluey. I've seen that Bluey episode before, and it makes me laugh every time. You know, when Bluey's on, I really don't pay attention to it. I just snuggle with her. Well, you're missing out. It is highly entertaining. (laughs) So I've heard. The dad is always doing something funny. (laughs) I feel like the dad's always getting picked on. He is. It's just the way dads are. The only thing I can recall about that show is one day, I think it was Bingo, the little sister, came in and said, Dad, will you play with us? And he said, yes, as long as it doesn't require me to move or speak. (laughs) (laughs) Some days are like that. Some days are like that. Did you do any running or cycling today? Well, in the last podcast, I mentioned that I had a little niggle that turned into a pain, and I was able to take a few days off and gradually... Start doing some more running. And I was doing some cycling while I wasn't doing as much running. But I did get in to see Kevin, my physical therapist, who we had on a few podcasts ago. And he worked with me to make sure that it wasn't anything serious. Did some dry needling and sent me out the door limping. 
I was not limping when I went in, but I was when I came out because the dry needling was quite intense. One of the needles was up against a nerve, and so this was in my calf, and I felt it all the way down into my foot. It was unusual. If it feels nervy, they'll usually move the needle around a little bit. He told me that this might actually be a good thing. Oh. So we left it there, just turned the intensity down a little bit. But today, I was no longer limping, went for a run, still had a little bit of an issue, but I feel like there's been a pattern. When I wear a particular pair of shoes, I have an issue, and when I wear a different pair of shoes, I don't have an issue. So I'm going to try wearing the shoes that are working for maybe a week or so, and if the problem is gone, then I will retire those other shoes. They've got plenty of miles on them. I feel like it's been a game of Russian roulette anyway with that brand and make a shoe. Seems like one pair you'll do fine with and another pair not so fine. So it may just be time to move on. Just move on. Put them out to pasture. And don't buy that kind anymore. I still have one pair of racing shoes that I may have a mile on. So I need to do some racing in those shoes. There you go. Mesa. Maybe so. It's just five weeks away. Yeah, I can't believe it. I'm glad we turned that into a training run for Suzanne and me. A training run for Boston because I just don't feel ready to race a marathon yet. Yeah, and it'll be a training run for me as well. My big race of the year is not until November. It might be fun if the four of us just all did it together. Maybe so. The four of us being Suzanne's husband's going as well. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your training this week. Oh, and Jessica, I don't know. She's also running it. I don't know if she'll want to race it. She said her goal is to finish, but she may want to run it a little bit faster than what I plan to do for my training run. And this will be her first marathon. Yep. So it's always a good goal for your first marathon is to finish. So if Jessica wants to run with us, it'll just be five of us. Point to point in Mesa. And downhill. Well, partially. Mostly. Net downhill. My understanding is it's downhill until about mile five, and then miles five to seven is an incline, and then seven to 13, it loses elevation, and then the last half is a flat course. That's my understanding of the race. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds good. Looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, except for it falls on Eliane's birthday. Poor timing on our part. So... I think we're going to celebrate the Sunday before for our family with our little two-year-old. She'll be... She is saying all kinds of words. It's amazing to watch her develop. Yeah, today, which we really digress here, but I have to brag on her. I have a little block that sorts shapes and it has a cylinder that you can slide into the circular hole. So she calls it a circle even though it's a cylinder. And then... Over on her number board puzzle, there's a little cylinder that goes in one of the slots there. Those two things were not together today. As she picked up the cylinder from one, walked all the way over to the other one, picked it up and said, two circles. She is really good at identifying multiples. She loves finding two of something. And it could be five of something and she'll still say two. She does. So there's a couple of tidbits in the news that I wanted to bring up. Before. I hope it's positive news. Well, I think so. Okay. Before we jump into our topic of the day, there's a lady named 
Yuko Gordon, who won the Olympic marathon back in 1984, and now at the age of 70, she ran a 325 marathon. <laughs> That's impressive. That is impressive. Now, I have not verified my findings, but that is impressive. I'm hoping when I'm age 70, I can do a 325 marathon. I'm hoping in Mesa, <laughs> I can do a 325 marathon. Oh, so you're not running with me in Mesa. I was planning on doing a 325. There you go. But we'll just have to see how the next few weeks go. And another story I thought was interesting this week, the person who manages the, and I may not even say this right, Binance Cryptocurrency Exchange. He goes by the name CZ. Chengping Zhao. <laughs> I hope I said that right. Excuse me, CZ, if I said your name wrong. He is estimated to have a net worth of $96 billion. And he learned about Bitcoin back in 2013. And then he got really focused on cryptocurrency. And at one point in his life, he was working at McDonald's. Then he creates this cryptocurrency exchange in 2017. And now he's worth $96 billion. Wow. But what I wanted to really share is that he says he's going to give up to 99% of his wealth to charities. Well, good for him. And then I was doing the math on that. Hmm. He's still hanging on to about a billion. I think he'll be all right. What do you think? I think it's awesome that he's going to do that. Yeah. He's quite generous, but he's still going to be living large. So getting into the topic of the day. Can I mention one more piece of exciting news? Okay. I'm even more excited about going to Boston now because the American women's field of pro athletes is pretty exciting. I don't know everyone, but my three favorite American distance runners are Des Linden, Sarah Hall, and Molly Seidel. Even though she needs has a little growing up to do. Still think she's an awesome athlete. They are all three running Boston. Well, that'll be exciting. And I didn't know it, but Molly used to live in Boston and train in Boston, so Hmm. she's excited about running Boston for the first time. Home court advantage. And I think this will be maybe her fourth or fifth marathon now, so she's still in the early childhood stages of marathon running. Yeah. So it should be interesting. It'll be fun. And I don't know if you've seen pictures of Ryan Hall recently, but... He does not look like a runner anymore. He is a bulky man. He looks like the Incredible Hulk. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Ready for the topic of the day? I'm ready. While the pool heater has been out of service here at our local health club, I have avoided going to the pool. Although the heater is working now and the temperature is already back at 82. That's good to hear. So I will have to get in the pool soon. Tomorrow. I have plans tomorrow. That's true. You work. But while I was not going to the pool, I thought it was a good opportunity just to refocus on how to swim rather than actually swimming. Because I was not interested in 77 degree temperatures. Not without a wetsuit. So with running and cycling, most of the improvements occur just by spending more time running or cycling. You're gaining aerobic fitness and you're training You're running and cycling specific muscles, and that's key. And variety is like icing on the cake with speed work and hill repeats and threshold efforts and other ways that you run and do cycling. But with swimming, you can still gain aerobic fitness with hours in the water, but the real gains occur when you learn to swim 
efficiently. We've all heard the saying that if you do the same thing and expect different results, that you might be insane. Have you heard that? I've heard that as a definition of insanity. Definition of insanity, yeah. Well, in large part, that's true in the water. Endless hours swimming incorrectly may allow you to get to T1 in your next big race. But if you really want to excel in the water, you're going to have to focus on your technique. Yeah. I mean, if your goal in swimming is to burn a lot of calories and get a good aerobic workout, and you don't care about your speed, then technique isn't that important. But if you're a triathlete and you want to get from point A to point B more quickly, I want to know all the technique because it's so technical. Mm-hmm. And when the water temperature is really cold, you can improve your swimming by studying how to swim. Or at least that's what we're going with today. We'll find out when I go back to the pool. Okay. So there are three factors that impact your speed in the water. It's technique, strength, and cadence. Does that pretty well sum it up? I'd say so. Arm cadence. Yeah. And they're all interrelated. Your technique's going to fall apart when you run out of strength when you get tired. Your cadence is going to increase with proper technique and strength. You can improve your strength in the gym or in the water or on the pool deck with swim cords. But technique is improved by understanding how to move through the water and then focusing on just incremental gains. We like to talk about consistency and patience and incremental gains. So it's a good idea to select one or two drills and focus in on those, master those, accomplish those incremental gains over time. And then as you gain proficiency with those drills, add in new drills to improve technique, but don't Forget about the previous drills. Continue building a inventory of drills to continue to hone in your technique. So you and I learned to swim together pretty much. And we read about and we attended training for total immersion. And I think it was helpful as beginning lap swimmers. But since then... We've learned some other techniques that are going to make us faster. That's that's really what we're going to focus on today. But just from our history, we were taught through total immersion that balance is key and then gliding and rotation. And to some extent, rotation is important. Balance is definitely important, but gliding is not as important. You really want to be putting force against the water at every moment during your freestyle. Yeah, because with the technique that we learned, I think the balance was essential because I wasn't even swimming with my head in the water when we first began to learn to swim. So I do think we gained a lot from that. But even a log has great balance of the water, but it doesn't swiftly get from point A to point B in the water. That's true. Yeah, if you're not applying force onto the water to pull yourself forward, then you are slowing down or sinking. So I'd like to discuss a few drills today. And a lot of the research came from Swim Speed Secrets, which is a Velo Press book, with the author being Sheila Taromina. Is that how you say her name? Taromina? Sheila Taromina, who is a four-time Olympian. Yeah, and that's a book I purchased because she's not what you'd visualize when you visualize an Olympic swimmer. 
because you think of tall with lanky arms and broad shoulders and she's five foot nothing and you know she just she doesn't look like a swimmer and yet she's a fast olympian yeah michael phelps is a big guy tall tall, long arms long legs long feet and his feet look like flippers and this person is quite the contrast right even i would say below average in height for a female so for us mid-size individuals there is hope that's right so the first drill to talk about today is sculling do you like sculling i do like sculling there are certain body positions that i don't think help with schooling, but I like the basic schooling. Yeah. We often hear swim coaches talk about getting the feel of the water. Well, sculling is a great way to do that. And there's three different sculling positions, one, two, and three. And we're going to focus on sculling one in this podcast, which is where you're focusing on the beginning of the catch phase. So your hands are out in front. And you can practice this drill either horizontally in the water and progress through the water, or you can do it vertically, just staying in place. So skull one involves placing both hands out in front with a high bent elbow and your palms, even with the forearms, and then angle around 45 degrees away from each other. So your palms are facing out away from each other. And then you're gonna press in and out against the water from the elbows diagonally Rotating the palms as you switch directions, back and forth, back and forth. So as your forearms are coming toward each other, your palms are facing each other. Exactly. And you're going to try to keep your upper arms relaxed, really focus on from the elbow down. And you want to concentrate on grabbing the water with your forearm and your flat open hand and holding on to it through the entire stroke out and in. So get the feel for the water. So just trying to get a visual, if I'm floating on my stomach in the pool and my upper arms are floating on the surface of the water, where are my hands? So your shoulders are going to be on the surface of the water. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have a, a little bit of a drop from the shoulders to the elbows, but not very much. So the elbows are slightly below the surface of the water and the hands are... Are in line with the forearms. So you have the high elbow position. So your elbow is just a little bit below the shoulder, not much below the shoulder. So shoulder is above elbows and elbow is above wrist. Yes, exactly. And so this is one of my favorite drills to do in the water because I get some immediate gratification If I do a 25 skull one, when I kick off the wall to return, I'll do a freestyle and I can just immediately tell a difference in the feel in my hands of catching that water and pulling it back. So when you do schooling in this position, do you use a pull buoy or are you doing this unassisted? I do it with a pull buoy. I prefer it with a pull buoy. So the next drill, are you ready to move on to the next drill? I am. You got this feel for the skull. Yeah, I do that drill a lot, but I always do it with a pull buoy. The next drill is the streamline drill, and it is used to improve your core strength and your body length. And this is something you can do as you turn at the pull wall on every lap or every other lap, whatever works best for you. But this is something you could do frequently. But the idea is to straighten the arms above the head 
locking the hands, and really concentrate on raising the shoulders and, and squeezing your head to give yourself your maximum reach. Squeezing your head with your arms. Squeezing your head with your biceps. And then you push off the wall and you try to stay below the surface of the water so that you're underneath the surface plane and kick a few times before surfacing and resuming your freestyle. Now this one would be difficult to do with pool buoy. I would not recommend that because it's hard to kick. Yeah, so you just want to emphasize that this is a drill. This is not something that you're going to implement and incorporate in an open water triathlon swim. So when you're practicing to try to get a feel for how long it's going to take you to do an open water swim, you're not going to be wanting to push off the wall hard and stay under and streamline longer as part of that. But it is an amazing drill for just what you talked about, building that core strength and the other thing it does is it keeps you under the water a little bit longer and so it helps you interrupt that breathing pattern a little bit which is also helpful in open water swimming there may be circumstances bumping and waves and other conditions that cause you to miss a breath here and there and it just helps you to relax in that situation exactly and if you aren't familiar with doing this streamline position it feels a little bit awkward having your hands above your head, your arms straight, and extending your arms to their maximum length by squeezing your back and then squeezing your ears with your biceps. But the idea is using your back to get that maximum extension. Yeah, and then most pool swimmers and people who compete in a competition pool, they do that streamlining and they're also doing a pretty violent dolphin kick to go along with it to accelerate off the wall but again that's more for competition pool swimming i have never gained the coordination to effectively do a dolphin kick have you not i have tried yeah it's it's ugly well and it's not really essential for it's not necessary what you're accomplishing i mean you went to kona without it so ready to move on to the next drill i am all right so the next drill is called the press out drill and this one is used to improve your strength and the form for your high elbow catch. And you do it by placing your hands on the pull deck, just a little bit wider than the shoulders, and with your arms parallel to the water and your body vertical beside of the wall, you simulate the high elbow catch and you have your head just barely above the water. So basically you use your arms and your core to pull yourself up out of the water to where your arms are straight, and then you lower yourself back down into the water. So it's kind of a tricep press-up. I think I used to do those. I think this is the drill that you're referring to, but after a 50, I would stop at the wall and press myself out of the water three times Yeah, and then swim some more. Yep, that's the one. And you want to avoid using your legs mm -hmm. to help you get out of the water. And this is a good one you could do at the beginning to get that high elbow feel, or you could do it in the middle like you were doing, or you could do it at the end. It's just a good one to do throughout the workout. Yeah, it gives you the good feel for it, but it also builds strength, which is critical. Technique, strength, and cadence. 
And balance. And balance, which is part of technique. True. Which we're not talking much about balance today. So as you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not in the water. (laughs) That's probably a safe bet. But you could stand up and you could put your arms out in front of you and press down as if you were beside the pool deck. And you can feel your back and your shoulders and your core engaging. That's what you want to experience when you're practicing this drill. And that's what you want to experience when you're doing the high elbow catch in the freestyle. You almost want to think about your arms doing the butterfly stroke as you're pulling yourself out of the water. Exactly. The next drill is the recovery drill. Again, when we did the total immersion, we learned to glide and rotate side to side. Well, we've already talked a little bit about the gliding, but rotating too much is a problem also. We want to use our rotation during the pull to release muscle tension from the opposite hip across the chest and through the pulling arm. So I want to just I want to say that again because that's a lot, but it's that's key to this drill. We want to release muscle tension from the opposite hip across the chest and through the pulling arm. So proper rotation allows the pull to be all the way from the hand to the hips, not just the arms. Yeah, so the rotation is more of a natural occurrence from you using your extension and your strength that will create a little bit of a rotation. Yeah, it needs to be just enough rotation to cock the the hips and the torso muscles and then at the right time in the pull you're going to release that tension where you're going to maximize your length on your extended arm but then you're also going to maximize the effectiveness of the pull and one of the keys is just avoid rolling all the way onto your side as you lose all of that tension from the core to the shoulder if you roll over on your side. Yeah, and I would say this would be more of an advanced concept. There's so much that newer swimmers can gain just from that catch and pull that they can they could almost swim like a barge with their <laughs> belly button straight down until they really master catching and pulling and then once you really feel like your arm is pulling water from entry to exit, then you're going to start thinking about this and get even more power. Mm-hmm. One other concept in the recovery drill to keep in mind is that recovery arm, you want to keep the elbow high out of the water and the forearm relaxed. And you're going to be using the back muscles to pull that arm out of the water. Don't think about using your shoulder to pull the arm out. Think about using your back muscles to pull that arm out of the water. And that's the beginning of that cocking motion for the rest of your core. And we've talked about this before. When we have watched professional athletes, some of them come out with a high elbow and some of them come out with almost a side arm back into the water. So the important thing is what's going to get your arm back up into position to catch that water and keep on pulling. Yes, you want to get your arm out in front for the next pull, but whatever works best for you to engage the core so that it's not just an arm motion is what you want to do. Right. So the next drill is the finish drill. And we're not quite finished yet. 
So this one is done face down in the water and you place both arms at your sides with your elbows bent and your forearms and your hands pointing down. So this is a good drill to do with a pull buoy and a snorkel because your face is underwater. Then while you're in this position with your arms parallel to your torso, your elbows bent and your hands and forearms facing down, you want to straighten your arms and push as much water forcefully back towards the back wall past your hips. Push as much water backwards as you can. You want to avoid pushing down. You want to push backwards to help with your propulsion. So let me make sure I understand what you're saying. I've got my pull buoy between my thighs and I've got my snorkel in so I can breathe and I'm laying flat on my belly in the water and I'm looking down at the bottom. Straight down. Straight down at the bottom from my shoulder to my elbow is pretty much on the surface of the water with, yep. with my torso and then my forearms are dangling straight down. Yep, perpendicular to your torso. So my palms are facing the wall behind me. Correct. And I'm just going to push those palms, push as much water as I can back to the wall behind me and then bring my palms all the way up to the surface of the water. Yes, yes. And again, this is going to be demonstrating, practicing how you want to finish your stroke but it's also going to build tricep strength. And then once you reach that hip position where you've reached the extent of the amount of water you can push behind you, then you're going to return your arms back to that vertical position. But you want to rotate your hands 90 degrees so you are catching as little water as possible. And then you rotate your hands before you start the next push you're catching as much water as possible. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So when I went to triathlon swim camp back in 2017, we did a drill similar to that. And we put paddles on our hands without them being attached to our hands. So we didn't put our thumb in a slot or we didn't use a Velcro or anything to keep them attached. And the goal with that movement was to see how far behind us we could toss those paddles so that we were really pushing all the way through the surface of the water yeah and that's also making sure that you are pushing straight back because mm -hmm. if you push to the side you're likely going to lose it mm -hmm. all right the next drill is the hand entry drill as your recovery hand is moving forward you want to press it into the water about 12 to 18 inches in front of your head but you don't want to go to full extension before entering the water. If you do, you'll notice that you are slapping the water. So when your hand enters the water, you want to, as quickly as possible, get the feel for the flow of the water on your flat palm. You want to try to feel the water pressure on your palm and on all your fingers. And this was a difficult one to explain. But you just want to pay attention to how your hand feels and try to pinpoint the right time to begin your high elbow catch to the drill is to get the feel for the water flowing by you and under you as you're moving through the water. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have a misconception with this drill because they think that since your arm is not all the way extended when you enter, then once you enter it, then you extend it. But the whole point is if you're all the way extended, there's going to have to be 
some wasted time to get in that catch position. So it's not all the way extended, but as it goes in, you're then not extending it under the water. You're catching and pulling. Yeah. Your shoulder and your back muscles are going to be in a position to where that arm could reach maximum extension. But like you're saying, you're going to be beginning that catch motion, the high elbow catch, to begin pulling that water back. Yeah, and you can almost think about if you're lying on a surfboard and paddling yourself out into the ocean, Mm -hmm. you're not extending your arm all the way out before you pull. You're pull, 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 (laughs) like continuous pulling motion. Yeah. All right, the next drill, moving right along, is the Tarzan drill. Are you going to make the Tarzan noise? I'm not planning to. Okay. This drill is basically the freestyle motion with your head out of the water the entire time. It's basically surfboard. It is quite like that. (laughs) Nice segue there. So you, you want to try to execute proper freestyle form, avoid swinging your head from side to side, and it'll be a little bit more difficult than the freestyle, except that you're able to breathe. Because having your head out of the water is going to throw off your balance. It's going to create more drag. And when there's more drag, there's going to take more force for you to pull yourself through the water. So that's going to build some strength. It's like running with a parachute behind you. Have you ever done that? I don't think so. Or adding extra weight on the weight bench. It's a new stimulus to work your muscles. And I didn't know this, but according to my research... The Tarzan name for this drill comes from a famous Olympic swimmer who raced with his head above water, who eventually was in the movies as the Tarzan character. Interesting. I thought it was called the Tarzan drill because I pretty much look like Cheetah when I'm doing that drill. Look like a monkey. (laughs) A cheetah or a monkey? Isn't that the monkey's name in Tarzan? Cheetah? Wow. That was a long time ago. I have no idea. What the <laughs> monkey's name was. We'll have to fact check me on that. Was it a monkey or a chimpanzee? I thought it was a chimpanzee named Cheetah. <laughs> fact check. All right. And I'm the one that grew up without television. And you're the one that can't remember the movie we watched last night. This is true. Except we didn't watch anything last night. Well, that's good because I definitely don't remember a movie last but night. But you remember parts about Tarzan from... Who knows when? My childhood, I guess. Hmm. Must have left an impression on you. I could be wrong. The next drill, moving right along, is the vertical kicking drill. And this is a great way to work on a propulsive kick. Which I will also put an asterisk and say this is an advanced drill because the kick is going to do minimal amount of propulsion compared to what you can get from your arm pull. So... Getting those arms in the early vertical forearm and pulling all the way through is the most important thing. But once you've mastered that and you're ready to gain a little bit more, it's time to think about that kick. Yeah. If you're planning to do sprint triathlons, Olympic triathlons, or ITU triathlons, where you need to be fast on the swim, you need to be strong in all aspects of the freestyle, including kicking. So the idea behind vertical kicking is float in water above your head with your arms at your side using nothing but your glutes and your legs and your feet to flutter 
back and forth, keeping you above water. And avoid moving forwards or backwards or spinning. And then do this for like 20 seconds on, 20 seconds off. It's not easy. I was going to say, do it near the wall. Do it near the wall, (laughs) yeah. You want to try to snap from the hip, through the knee, through the ankle, pressing against the water. Try to avoid bending your knees like you're running or riding a bike. And that's a common problem for triathletes. And as you get more comfortable, increase the time. Maybe work up to 60 seconds on, 20 seconds off. And then an even more advanced option for this drill is to raise your arms into a streamlined position above your head. That's hard. Have you tried this? I have tried this. It is hard. It is hard. (laughs) And this makes it necessary to propel that much more with your kick to stay above water. Yeah. And just for full disclosure, I have done this drill before, but I would not consider myself an advanced enough swimmer. It's not where I focus my time when I was doing my Ironman training, simply because I knew I was going to have a wetsuit and I knew I was going to be saving my legs for my bike ride and my marathon. So I did not spend much time mastering my kick. I kept my legs as quiet as I could. And I did too, focusing on long distance triathlon. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to training for the race that you're planning to race. But there are a lot of other swim drills that we're not going to get into today. You've got the fist drill, catch up, the zipper, fingertip. You've got one arm drill, banded ankles, one of my favorites in the past. Lots of different drills. But again, you just want to focus on one or two drills at a time for a few weeks, then add in new drills, but don't completely give up on the previous drills, make technique a portion of all of your swim practices. That's the key to swimming more efficiently and eventually swimming more quickly. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, you could be at any stage of swimming. So if you're a beginning swimmer, the drill that you're going to hone in on and focus on the most is going to be different than if you're an advanced swimmer. We have swimmers on our team who are already very proficient swimmers and they just need to work on their kick or small things like that or spend a little bit more time streamlining just to build their core. But for our newer athletes, we have them focus, especially those who are brand new to swimming, we have them focus much more on the pool buoy and the early vertical forearm. The catch and pull, catch and pull. Yes, and for some swimmers, the key is just getting comfortable going up and down the pool lane, learning how to breathe relaxed, and then you can work on techniques to improve the stroke, improve the efficiency. There's just so much to swimming. Yeah, and again, until you really build your strength, fatigue is going to break down your technique very quickly. And so for newer swimmers, we just encourage 25s, focusing on technique. Or like you were saying, a 25 of sculling and then a 25 of filling the water on the way back down in the freestyle. And just really breaking it up into small, manageable steps so that athletes can really begin to feel what swimming is supposed to feel like. Yeah, and... It takes consistency, and it takes patience, incremental gains. Don't expect to 
drop 20 or 30 seconds on your 100 pace in a matter of weeks, but continue working on it, continue working on it, and you will definitely see improvements if you execute your drills correctly and are consistent over time. Yeah, and a lot of times with our athletes, if they will take the time to use an underwater camera, an above-water camera to film, and they can send us something, it really helps us know which drills are going to help that athlete. Like, we can prioritize drills for them. Because, to me, it is kind of important at what order you master. If we have an athlete who can't keep their head in the water and their body balanced and don't know how to breathe without losing body position, we're not going to have that athlete concentrating on the vertical kick, for example. Right. And just going along with the idea of focusing on one or two things at a time, we often encourage people to use a pull buoy so that you can focus on something other than the kick. Well, I hope our audience gets something out of this. The next time they go to the pool. Yeah, it's just so hard to explain swimming technique. I almost feel like we need to do a YouTube cast instead of an audio cast when we're talking about swimming. But hopefully it was helpful. Hopefully it's helpful. And this might be a podcast episode that you want to go back and listen to and pause it between drills and stand up and execute the drill, visualize it, and then proceed on. Yeah, and if you want help with swimming or coaching, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to get to know you and help you out. And now that the pool heater has been fixed, it's time for me to get back in the water. So I've got a scripture to share today. Okay. It is from 1 Timothy. It's chapter 4, verse 15. It says, Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. That kind of fits with our podcast topic today. But now I'm going to elaborate on the context of the scripture. Starting with verse 14, Paul is telling Timothy, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Thank you, Lord, for the word. It's a good one. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.